What's going on, guys? Before we go into the show, I wanted to turn your attention towards eBay, and I want you to go ahead and type in RFI Night Lords, one word, 30K Toys for Tots Charity Army, and uh, see the charity auction that has been put up there for a full-blown Night Lords Army. Uh, this has been a beautifully painted army by uh, some great painters, and all of the profits from this go straight to the Toys for Tots charity, which is the U.S. Marine Corps uh, Toys for Tots, which makes sure that underprivileged kids during the Christmas holiday have uh, toys and things that they need. Um, their army's got Conrad Kurz, it's got a Primus Medicaid, Sevitar, Apothecary with Jump Pack, Full uh, Cataphracty Squad, Legion Assault Squad, uh, of course, your three troop choices. All of them have rhinos. You got a heavy support squad, all with missile launchers and some scimitar pattern jet bikes. Uh, as always, this is a charity auction, and that 100% goes to the Toys for Tots, Toys for Tots charity. Uh, I believe by the time you listen to this, you will have about mm, three three days to look at that. So as soon as you hear this, go check it out. Uh, I know that the uh, the bidding on it is getting a little crazy in there, but it's definitely worth the value, especially for the paint scheme that you have going on for it. Uh, but go check that out, guys. Appreciate it. This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Isvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Isvan 5. The fort's flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Bolton and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Fan listeners, and welcome to episode 114 of the Radio Freest Fan podcast, a Horace Heresy 30K podcast. I feel like we really missed the boat on this one, not doing the Ultramarines episode, the last episode on 113. But here yep. we are. This is uh, definitely going to be like, because then if we would just like knocked them all out back to back, then we would have been on time and we could have like skipped one. Oh man, that's all right. We fucked up. Anyway, my name is Michael. I got we'll my... just do two tonight. We'll just do two and then we'll be back <laughs> on schedule, right? Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Get your coffees, boys. So anyway, my name is Michael. I got my co-host Scott here. Go and say what's going on, Scott. What up, guys? And of course, powerful Ryan. Say what's going on, Ryan. Hello, everyone. So, where's Derek? Uh, Did we lose Derek? Is Derek gone? Did you leave him in a parking lot somewhere with the Space Wolf Army? Derek unfortunately has to do the work of five employees at his job. Like they kept like uh, I guess like dipping their toe in the water to see if like Derek would complain, which Derek doesn't complain. Derek is you know the nicest guy you ever meet. And so they just kind of they like, just keep adding more to him. Yeah, they're like, hold on, hold on. Before <laughs> just continue to, they eased the tip in, and then Derek didn't protest. So now they're just fucking yep. pulling his hair. And, yeah, <laughs> his bosses are like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we hire somebody else, let's see if we can get Derek to do it. And then like they, <laughs> then they're like, dude, he's fucking doing it. He's do. I can't believe he's doing it. It's so crazy. It's crazy. He doesn't even complain. He just does it. Yeah. And then. Then now, he, now it's just like a weird experiment where they're just like have a board of like things that new things they invent to give to Derek to see when he snaps. Yeah, there's like there's no way that we can also add uh, stocking in the morning to him on top of also trying to be an electronic salesman. Oh my god, he's doing it! I don't know how he's doing it. He's uh, so 
That's that's Derek. By the way, he was also employee of the month. I don't know if it was this month or last month. I think it was last month, but that's that's how they like were like, okay, we gotta give him something. We gotta give him something. But congratulations on your employee of the month, Eric. If you're listening to this, you earned it, kid. At what cost, though? <laughs> At what cost? Uh, so anyway, that's where Derek is. Busy doing his uh, hardcore job. Uh, so anyway, we've got a great episode for you guys. Uh, this is going to be one of our Legion episodes. We're going to be talking about the Ultramarines. We get a whole bunch of stuff wrong because this is probably the Legion I know the least about. Probably, <laughs> probably I know less about them than the Word Bearers, and that's saying something because I don't know shit about the Word Bearers. So, so we're just going to make shit up and so, just talk a bunch of shit, and it probably won't be accurate. So just read a book, motherfuckers. Don't make us like say it to you if you want accurate information. That's what Michael's saying. Just read a book. Yeah, I am definitely going to uh, try and tell it like a bedtime story, his uh, background and things like that. Now, once we get to the actual rules, that's uh, I can do a lot better with that because, I mean, that's, that's gameplay-wise. But as far as like the background of Rubute... I don't even know how to, like, honestly, at this point, I still don't know how to say his name right, and I'm way too embarrassed to ask they're after blue. 114 episodes. They're kind of Roman-esque. <laughs> they did some things. Okay, on to the rules. <laughs> yeah, Roabundus, Gulabundus. We're going we're gonna to figure it out. So, anyway, this episode, we're not going to do our, uh, our, our emails. We're not going to do anything like that. We're going to go straight into talking about the Legion. We're actually going to go over some of the fluff behind Rubote Gilliman. And uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about you know what made him the way he is. We're going to talk about if you want to play an Ultramarine's army, some of the things that you should consider. And then we're going to go into their special rules. We're going to go into their special units. <clears throat> and we're going to go... Before that, we're also going to talk about some of their special war gear. And then we're going to talk about their special characters... And then once we go over their special, after we go over their special characters, we will talk about their rights of war and uh, other rights of war that go really well with the Ultramarines. So usually t- turns out to be a educational episode for everybody, including myself. And so uh, I know Ryan has made a number of Ultramarines list, and he knows pretty well how they work out. So should be a good time. Before we start, do you guys want to say anything or? Get anything off your guys' chest? I don't know. I figure I'd just give you the opportunity because once we get once we get going, it's all thirteen. Uh, pages. We can do a shout out. We met a dude. I met a random dude at Gen Con at the Battletech booth named Eric, a very nice gentleman from Miami, who had moved to Kentucky two days before meeting him at Gen Con, and I ran into him at the Battletech booth and we got to talking and I was he was asking about the new stuff like what all he needed and why. And I helped him, like, fill up a shopping cart or whatever. And he's like, man, I'm new up here. I don't have, like, any friends, whatever. And I'm like, where are you from? And he's like, well, I'm from Miami, but I just moved to Louisville. And I'm like, well, Scott or, is from Louisville, and he's just starting Battletech, too. So I exchanged info with him real quick. And we I, I actually drove down to Scott's house uh, on Saturday. And we called Eric and had him come over, and we all three played some Battletech or whatever. But we also quickly found out that Eric plays like everything. He plays 40k. He played the old Halo game. He he has was wanting to do 30k, and he's got some friends, I guess, back in Miami, 
that are big into 30k and always listen to our podcast so when he said that when we told him we did radio free Esteban, he freaked out he thought that was the funniest thing so <laughs> that's if a... you're er... so that... if you're eric's friends and you're listening and you hear this hit him up on messenger or whatever and say hey they talked about you on the show that's right and he's our friend now so go fuck yeah we got him he's here now <laughs> yeah wow what a what a beautiful beautiful community we have <laughs> and who would have thought you go to kentucky and find a podcast host of a miniature war game yeah he's adding <laughs> some latin he's adding some latin flavor to fucking kentucky way That's more right. classy than us he's tall and lean looks like he could dance fucking latin yeah. shit it's awesome well spoken you know <laughs> he yeah. wear, wears a gold chain hey. Hangs around a bunch of fucking uh, big eye, small eye hillbillies now. We're going to have to like educate him on the cold. He's pretty scared about the fucking winters. Yeah, he said he went someplace and it was 19 once and he thought he like legit thought he was dying. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good because it gets minus 15 here. Yeah, you yeah. heard that right. Like 30 degrees colder than when you almost died. Yeah. Like it gets so cold here, your fucking car doors will be frozen shut. So. Yeah. When Michael was up here visiting, he goes, why do you have an MRE in your car? I'm like, the weather here will kill you, Michael. Like, you can slide off the road and be there for a few days. You need food in your car. <laughs> he was like, oh. <laughs> I would definitely, just, it would be one of those situations where it's like, man, am I really going to have to eat this pizza? I would eat that pizza, like, if I forgot lunch one day. It would just, it would be gone so quick. The pizza MRE. Just looking for any excuse to eat that pizza MRE. <laughs> it would get. I have, I have. <laughs> chicken and noodles in mine and emily has chicken and salsa it doesn't get hot enough to cook those mres chicken and salsa is better than the chicken and noodles oh it is fuck yeah the chicken fuck and salsa up. comes with jalapeno cheese bread bro oh damn it i yeah. got the wrong one only the finest of condiments inside it has or a, outside if you have water which you would have water if you had snow and you were stuck you can activate the little heat thing in it and make it actually cook right. you can have hot food no, yeah, no. I was asking like it doesn't get hot enough in your car to where it just like cooks your MRE. No, that's fine. While it's just sitting in your car. They were they were in fucking Baghdad and shit, sitting in a fucking <laughs> Bradley with no air conditioner. Of course it's fine. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Sorry that they now make pizza MRE, Scott. After you're out. I know. I didn't have Bradley's either because I wasn't a fucking leg. But that's... <laughs> no pizza MREs for you with garlic breadsticks no. and jalapeno cheese spread. Do they even use Bradley's anymore? I just got that from my. Yeah, I'm sure they do. But fuck. I mean, dude, that's one of those things that the government dumped a whole bunch of money into, and they're like, "We got them now. We, yeah, we gotta, we gotta use it." Doesn't yeah, matter what happens. Brian, Brian was the guy that they sent over there, and he went. He was fucking young and dumb, and he was like, "Well, for one, they all gave each other mohawks, not realizing that you don't get a haircut for like six months. So then, when it grows out, you look real good. Because imagine having a mohawk and then not getting a haircut for six months, and it just fucking does its thing. You look so. like a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yep, look like a real asshole. Also, he went. He's a fucking. Really big into smoking, really like cigarettes, and thought, I'm going to be over there for a long time not be able to get cigarettes. So he looked in his bag, and he's like, I don't need these blankets. I don't need this fucking jacket. We're going to the desert. It's going to be hot. I'm going to pull all this shit out. 
pulled all that out, put cigarettes in, got over there, realized it gets pretty fucking cold at night in the desert. <laughs> didn't have a jacket, didn't have a blanket, just had lots of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and the most piss-off smoking that you've ever seen in your life. Yep. So he said he would lay in the back because they, they, they took... They slept in different positions on the Bradley, and they rotated it. Like, two guys slept outside, and four guys slept in it in different positions. And he said he'd fucking just lay there at night like this with his fucking cigarette until he went to sleep, shivered in the cold. Uh, go cover myself in sand. <laughs> just no. They scavenged some shit at some point or another, and he had some other shit. He ended up with a MP5 and all kinds of... They, they found a... Uh, an abandoned police car with some dead bodies in it and opened the trunk and there was a whole bunch of MP5s and mags and they already had 9mm ammo because they use it for their sidearms. So he was like, had MP5s for the rest of the time he was there. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and a sweet-ass cop jacket to wear when, he got, <laughs> when the nights got cold. <laughs> Alright, neat. I like how we managed to Veer off course into that story. Yep. Anyway, Ultramarines. Just let you guys know, if you're brand new to the podcast and you're listening to uh, this episode because you're playing Ultramarines and you're like, I'll listen to these guys, that's normally how the episodes go. So you got a little treat of that. Uh, but this episode, we're a little bit more serious. <laughs> and We're going to talk about some... Of course uh, we are. Oh, yeah. Totally very serious. serious. All right. Let's see what we're we got all here. very emotionally invested in this fucking Mary Sue of Allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're not that bad. Sorry, Ultramarine players. I'm kind of on your side. Yeah, he's kind of on your side. <laughs> okay. So first things first, we should talk about Rebute Gilliman. Gilliman. Is it Gilliman? Is it Robout? Is it Gilliman? Wait. Let's first let's Robo clarify. Girly man. Rowboat girly man. How, what's the right way to say it? Because it, it's always like people always have. I think it's Robute Gilliman. Okay, Robute yeah. Gilliman. This is default to how they say it on the audiobooks. That's what yeah, I do. That's how they say it in yeah. the audiobooks. Okay, cool. Cool. So Robute Gilliman. So first off, guys, if you don't know, Robute Gilliman is the uh, Primarch of the Ultramarines. Now, when I say Primarch, I mean the genetically altered superhuman vat born baby that the emperor made uh one of 20 and chaos opened a warp storm and threw them all over the galaxy and uh Rebute gilliman being one of these primarchs is a super enhanced human even more super enhanced than any of the other space marines that you uh know and love even more than the captains and everything like that this guy is like next level uh superhuman super healing super everything Anyway, so all of the Primarchs get thrown onto different planets, and it just so happens that uh, Rebute gets thrown into probably, like, the luscious, nicest, like, posh planet you could ever get thrown to. Like, it's... Well, he gets thrown into, like, a place where they actually kind of have their shit together, and there's actually, like, a little bit of a star empire, and it's not, like, a crazy death world or anything like that. Yeah, so, like, other, other Primarchs went to planets where it was, like, pitch dark... Whereas, like, planets of lava, whereas planets of giant monsters and shit like that. And, like, basically gets tossed into, like, uh, Caesar's Rome. Like, everything's just cool. And, like, people are, like, if bathing like in oil. like, a Target parking lot somewhere. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> he lives in Carmel with Rick. <laughs> and so, so yeah. 
So he gets and tossed. Has a job as a paper boy. Yeah. He uh, he gets thrown in and uh, he gets found by a hunting party. Uh, it, there's actually two stories. I know one is that he gets found by a hunting party and they take him to uh, uh, Connor Gilliman or Connor Gilliman, and then there's the one where like Connor finds him himself. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Uh, either way, Cronor, sir. K O N O R. A Conor, Connor. Conor. Either way. Conor. So cool, Connor. He decides to <laughs> raise Gilliman. Connor at... Bundes. <laughs> Sign me <Yeah>. up. <laughs> anyway, sorry. He decides to uh, raise Gilliman, this this little boy that was just found, raise him as a son. Okay. Uh, when they first see him, there's this like aura around him. There's a gold aura around him. So they're trying to figure out like what this kid is. And then there's also another short story where it's like Conor has like a, a vision that from the emperor to go save this kid. Uh, either way, they start raising him. And uh, uh, him and Tarasha Uten, or that's uh, Conor's Seneschal, uh, raise him up, also known as Gilamom, <laughs> according to uh, good old uh, 1D4chan here. And so he kind of has like this mother figure. He's got this uh, father figure in his life. So like he basically has like what like a decently good childhood. Like it's not anything crazy. He's uh, he learns how to read. He learns from the scholars in this uh, in this world he's on. He learns all their history. He starts out pacing his the scholars he's learning from. Uh, he starts making up his own uh, battle tactics. He starts making up his own. Uh, Theses on things and stuff like that, and he's, he's just brilliant. Like like all Primarchs, his mind is as strong as his body, and so he blows past everybody, and uh, uh, he 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 joins up with their their military, like their their. I guess guard, I guess is what it would be called. And he defends the local populace from rebellions and things like that. Uh, while one day they're squashing this rebellion going on, he comes back home and, uh, he finds that his home is in like complete disarray. And, uh, Conor Gilliman, his father figure, uh, has been murdered in this process. And so ancient roaming style, he gets like, stabbed dead and rubote gets to find this happening and then he does one of the darkest things ever done in his life and just like goes on like a revenge spree and just starts murdering rebellions and and starts squashing everything and in the process he's so angry and everybody learns about how ridiculously insane and powerful that he is uh they decide to make him like just the ruler like that's how it works well you're stronger than all of us nothing we can do i guess you rule us now i guess you're our dad Prison and, rules. Yeah, exactly. Just like every... He put a fucking Coke cans in a pillowcase and whipped everybody's <laughs> ass, and he just became the boss. Now he gives jobs out to everyone. And that is the story of Bad Boys, the one with Sean Penn, not the one with Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he uh, he ends up killing uh, Gallon, Gallon, the dude who like murdered his dad. And... That was like he saw it as vengeance. He uh, he took it real hard because like unlike unlike all the other Primarchs who are kind of like like very strict and like oh I'm gonna like I understand that there's got to be some sort of uh, eggshells that have to be broken in order to make things happen. Uh, Gilliman's like really calculated in everything that he does. He's a 
as good as a goody good as a goody good two shoes as you could be. And so once he starts like uh uh starts committing acts of vengeance, he realizes like how dishonorable that is and all this jazz, but he kind of accepts it and makes it uh, makes it he, he embraces it, uh, and that's that's what happens. Uh, so anyway, uh, Gilliman ends up becoming this leader of the world, and he ends up making his he ends up conquering other planets in his system. And the emperor hears about this uh, about this champion of this world and hears that well, he, he was raised he was raised abroad up that they used to have the star empire called the 500 worlds and he wants to yes. reunite it and recreate the 500 worlds and that's, that's his goal yeah and so he starts he starts and the emperor hears about this and the emperor's like that has to be one of my sons right and so he starts heading towards macrish to go uh mccrag i'm sorry mccrag he starts heading towards mccrag uh to find this son yeah dude i'm sorry it's <laughs> i was always raised for macridge <laughs> like chill out so anyway, Mackridge. what yeah. a, what a fucking insane way to say that. I just want to stop. <laughs> yeah. That sounds down. like the that sounds like the shitty high school that's on the other side of the county that you have a rivalry with in basketball. Mackridge yeah. High School. Mackridge High Boys. This year, Mackridge. Yeah, taking you out. Oh man, I'm still getting over the memes from last time. <laughs> oh man, last time I said that shit, Age of Darkness podcast came and shit on me for that. Oh, it's gonna happen all over again. I'm just recording. Hold on, I'm gonna record back over. <laughs> Cut the tape. No, we had good. We had good bad boys talk with Sean Penn. Bad boys, <laughs> the good one. Uh. So anyway, Emperor here. Oh, by about the way, him. just real quick, a little bit more bad boys talk. That's where I imagine Duncan Kendall works. Just so you know. Yeah, I believe it. Anyway, go ahead. So they end up. Heading to uh, the emperor is going to go meet his son. He's like, "This has got to be one of my sons. I got to go meet him." All this jazz, and uh, ends up getting caught in a warp storm. And he, the time gets messed up. So by the time he comes out of the warp storm and comes out of the the uh, the, the traveling, five years has passed, and like Gilliman has this like baby empire of planets that he has now conquered within his system. And the emperor is completely impressed by. Not only his tactical genius, but also his uh, his ability to conquer these worlds and and uh, and put the, get them into compliance so quickly. Um, there's not a fight like you see normally with the uh, with the emperor and some other primarchs. Uh, it's pretty much the Rubotse Gilliman just understands that yes, this is a powerful being. Obviously, this makes more sense that I'm from this dude and not from these little people on this planet. Uh, this makes a ton of sense, and he puts all of it and uh, realizes that, yeah, I'll go with my dad. I'll go with my real dad, not my not my fake dad. So just like all of his other brothers, uh, Gilman ends up fighting for his father's crusade. Uh, so while he's in his dad's crusade, he actually prefers to uh, lay out battle plans than actually participating in the crusade itself. Uh, but that doesn't mean he didn't do the Primark thing and beat the shit out of some things. Um, now one thing if, and one thing to really keep in mind, the way he raised his Legion, he raised his Legion as military thinkers. Uh, so each one of his Legionnaires, he put a lot of trust in, uh, he wasn't like the, I guess what you would like man imagine is like the micromanaging boss. He really, when he put you into a position of power, it was kind of like he trusted you to hold that position of power and he trusted you to, 
put other people in positions of power who were going to uh, do their job. And all of his legionnaires, just like every other legionnaire with every other Primarch, they had that like trust and admiration for their Primarch, but this kind of went both ways. Um, Gilliman always forced his uh, forced his his legionnaires to perform different uh, different scenarios and things like that, and it was always pushing them to always think outside of the box and, and try and form whatever uh, tactical innovations they could so that they could use it uh, in their in his absence, basically. Um, I, I think there's even a book where he is a uh, he he dresses as Horus, right? Like during later on in the Crusade. Like he's wearing Horus's armor and he's uh, testing them in a simulation on what it would be like to fight Horus. It's a, uh, yep. it's like it, it like just, I mean that's later on in the Heresy, but just something to think about. Like they they run through simulations inside their head where they're put in these situations and they run themselves through those simulations over and they over. They call and over them again. theoreticals. Yeah, they're called theoreticals, and they're just like absolutely what you can do in that situation you have to prepare and you have to ha- have your military might and if you can't take the pressure then step down but you know he, it, it's definitely his his whole legion had this respect and admiration for him and during the entire time of the great crusade uh Gilliman realized that he was you know relying a lot of the uh, battle tactics from some of his brothers that were already established uh, like the uh, Sons of Horus and Lehman Russ and things like that. And he decided that he was going to write out his own battle tactics and battle plans called the uh, Codex Astartes. And so this was just basically going to be an outline of how to tackle certain situations. And this would be basically uploaded to all 250,000 of his Space Marines or whatever. <laughs> like It was just going to get like jacked into their heads to where they would all have a giant neural network of like every situation possible, what they should do in the Codex of Stardays. And that becomes a real huge role, and it's it's actually a very crucial part of playing Ultramarines that uh, regardless of, you know, what situation you're in, you put those key points. Like, I always kind of, like, imagined it where, like, you get, like, uh, the ingredients together. It's like, okay, I'm fighting Xenos. I'm in a city. Like, I'm doing this. Like okay, it's a flow chart. yeah, it's like a flow chart. It's like okay, you're gonna need fourteen artillery pieces. You're gonna need six rhinos. Like it's like you you break down. It's like you're gonna have to get them out of there. If they're really good at combat, you're gonna need this. This it's a giant flow chart that it's not actually like a flow chart that they pull out and like they uh, get like a little string and they follow it and they get like a pencil and they draw. It's like it's in their head, and so uh, they can break down these battle plans as the battles progress. The, uh, basically, Gilliman has written these Codex Astartes to try and uh, try and, I guess, envision every possible c- scenario that could happen. And so it, it it does pretty good. I mean, um, as far as his brothers go, uh, Gilliman is like during the Great Crusade, he uh, had a you know. Had real great respect for his brother. Unfortunately, didn't have the greatest respect for Lorgar because Lorgar uh, treated his father like a god. And unfortunately, the emperor said, "Hey, don't do that." And direct disobedience of his father. And you know, Gilliman's like, "Hey, man, that's the imps. Chill out. Have some respect, like a good son would do." Um, and to drive that wedge even further between them. Uh, 
it was it was tasked to Gilliman to destroy uh, the uh, the shrine world to the Emperor that the Lor- that Lorgar and Wordbearers had made, and so that even further drove the divide between them. And that's actually a real big part of their uh, their rivalry. And I, w- I would say their rivalry uh, mimics that between, like, even, like, Dorn. The and... rivalry's pretty one-sided. Like, yeah. the Ultramarines kind of don't care, and the word bearers are always, like, like twisting their mustache and, like, plotting revenge and all upset and angry. And Gilliman just kind of doesn't care. Kind of like... Lorgar actually realizes that later on. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Perturabo and Dorn. Like, Dorn really doesn't care, but Perturabo's like, Arr, drat! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm so mad. So that's like Gilliman and uh, and Lorgar. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, moving on into the actual heresy itself. Um, so as the heresy started to break out, uh, Horus, had, being the war master, had sent uh, Gilliman over to fight a non-existent orc invasion. Uh, he said, hey guys, you need to take all your ultramarines to this sector and you need to take care of this uh, orc invasion and go ahead and rally on Kalth and we'll go ahead and get you we'll meet you, you'll meet up with the uh, word bearers and we'll take care of everything and uh, if you have any idea about the betrayal of Kalth box set you can kind of get an idea of what happened yeah cuz it was supposed to be like a team building exercise <laughs> uh, to bring two legions that didn't really like each other together and it didn't work out too too well which you would think that would mean that, like, Gilliman would have extreme freaky-deaky trust issues after that. But he doesn't. He really didn't phase him too much. He's like, ah, I knew they were bastards the whole time. Uh, so, yeah. He was uh, tricked into taking his most of his legion to Kalth. And in the process, he was... Uh, legion. His legion was jumped and uh, half his legion was killed uh, by, uh, by the word bearers. Uh, so, he got... Insanely mad at this, decided he was going to hunt Lorgard down and bring him to justice. And unfortunately, a, a demon showed up on his ship's bridge, his capital ship's bridge, threw him out the window. And uh, he somehow lived in the void without a helmet on, just fighting off word bearers who were attacking him on his ship's hull. Uh, that's a whole other story, but that's a fun one to listen to. Uh, but kind of gives you an idea of how powerful he is as a uh, as a Primarch. Uh, so for half an hour, he ends up fighting them. Whatever. Uh, so not long after that, Corferon, uh, Lorgar's little sidekick, tries to recruit him over to Chaos and tries to let him know, like, hey, man, uh, I'm going to go ahead and stab you with his corrupted blade. But Gilliman wanted none of that and ripped both of his hearts out and <laughs> that's that's was the end of Corferon and that lets you know how much uh, Gilliman can turn brutal at the drop of a hat Corferon lived yeah and somehow he lived through that he had like some dark arts going on with like a shadow octopus coming out of his chest holding him together and they fled through the warp and it, you can read more about that in that comic book that they did I forget the name of the comic book yeah so anyway, so uh, at this point, Gilliman has to regroup and regain himself. Uh, so while he's trying to get his legion together, while he's trying to get everything scattered, uh, Lorgar and Angron decide to go on their uh, their 
killing spree and just start murdering other worlds. And so this is uh this is about the time that Gilliman makes his way over to Imperium Secundus. Uh so by this time he meets up with his other two brothers, uh Sanquinius and Lionel Johnson, and he's trying to think and plot out like what what's the worst case scenario that could have happened? I know that these brothers have turned. These brother, brothers have possibly turned. He doesn't have all the information, but by parsing everything out and in his smart mind, he realizes that there's a really good possibility that the Emperor is already dead and that no matter what they can muster and what they can do, uh, even if they were to go now to try and fight him, there was a good chance that they weren't going to make it and that they would be scattered because there's a... There's a giant warp wall blocking them from uh, from getting to the uh, getting to Terra, and so he kind of realizes like there's not a whole lot that he can do right now, and so he uses his tactical thinking mind. And even though he has this immense love for his father and everything like that, he realizes like it's tactically smart to host an a second Imperium, and we will put Sanguinius at the seat of the Emperor. And so that's where the Imperium Secundus... Well, he didn't want to proclaim himself emperor. Like, Absolutely He didn't not. want to invent an empire and make himself emperor, even though he really did. Yes. He's like, I really want to do this, but I can't. It would look bad. And then the lion shows up, and he's like, oh, of all my brothers, this is the one that shows up that I have to make emperor. Yeah. This douchebag. And he's like, Jesus. And then he's, like, really, really fighting with himself over making lion the lion the new emperor. And then Sanguinius shows up, and he's like, whoo! Dodge a bullet on that one. We can just make old Sanguinius Emperor. Good to go with that. And so that's exactly what happens. Uh, so they start mustering their troops. They uh, they start making like these really like rough laws and stuff like that. Uh, while um, while Angron and Lorgar are basically just murdering all of Gilliman's people uh, and. And unfortunately, it's just he starts going through the 500 worlds, just killing everybody. Um, so by this point, they realize that a the emperor could possibly still be alive. Maybe we should go do something about this, and they do. And I think if you listen to our Night Lords episode, we do go into Conrad Kerr's coming to Imperium Secundus and and how that all goes down and the. Uh, how some of Gilliman's reactions to him and all that jazz, but really it's not, he's such a boring character. Sometimes it's like, there's not really a whole lot going on as far as like, uh, as far as like the story goes behind it. Uh, so they end up heading to, heading to Terra. Uh, they make their move to, to Terra and, run into a giant chaos wall. I don't really know how to explain it any different than what it actually is described in the book. Uh, what, what, what book is that, Ryan? Something ruined path, to, uh, something ruined storm, ruined storm and the book ruined yeah. storm where they just like run into like what's literally a giant chaos wall. And it's so massive that they can't not see it when they look left and right into the universe. It's, it's this giant don't chaos. Don't get me started on that. Yeah, it's it's a very yeah, it's like a very difficult book to read, and it's a very difficult story to tell. 
But yeah, it's a uh, it's a gigantic. By, by difficult, Michael means shitty. It's a <laughs> shitty book. I mean, they describe it really well. It's just kind of like no, it's shitty. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, so they end up getting past this giant wall through a lot of uh, a lot of witchy poo stuff and uh, some some weird little alien that uh, that Lionel Johnson has, but I won't tell anybody about. Who's actually like a little chaos familiar or something like that. Uh, so they get past that and they get to Terra, and a lot of people say that. Uh, the Ultramarines showing up really uh, pushed Horus's hand to attack the Emperor and made, but I mean, really, we really won't know until that portion of the uh, the books start coming out, until we start looking at the Siege of Terror books and stuff like that. So, man, I, I know we're probably going to get a lot of uh, emails about this and possibly... <laughs> A lot of hate for how I told the story about the Ultramarines, but really, there's just not like it really doesn't go too much into his exploits. Like he didn't have like this uh, this really great story behind him. Like it's it, I don't follow him. I don't really it, I like his Legion because it's such a like straightforward like manly man Legion. Like I feel like they all clean up their rooms. I feel like they all like are like super strict in their military prowess. Like I always think of like. If there was some way that uh uh if there was some way that Marines like the the Space Marines could always wear dress blues, it would that's like how they would look. <laughs> like they would always just like look really nice all the time with like really nice haircuts and all that stuff. Uh but as far as like storyline, I mean that's pretty much it for the Ultramarines. Like I don't they get betrayed. Yeah, they don't suffer from some of like the the strange quirks and stuff that other legions do for better or worse you know for yeah. better if you're a big fan of them and you don't have to worry about your primarch having weird daddy issues or being a fucking crazy asshole with like a rage machine for a brain but yeah. there's the the hindsight being 2020 they're pretty um you know conventional i suppose yeah, there is like classic military as you could get. I mean, that's just how they they work. Um, I guess it's like one of those things when you have everything like good happen to you, you get like you get good results. Like and uh, <laughs> we always talk about like everybody has different head starts and stuff like that. This is the case where like everything worked out, so he had a better upbringing, so he had a better <laughs> better life story. He was a uh, just more fitted for his his uh his commanding position that he was in and i mean that's just the case he's a good guy great guy great guy there's no drama to that guy like the best possible outcome for uh for what a primark you know he was kind of the intent i would imagine the emperor was thinking of when he when he made these fucking things so yeah, I think I think if uh, if you were to somehow not have the whole chaos sending everybody out into the galaxy, you'd have a bunch of reboot to Gilliman's running around. I think yeah, yeah. I think it's exactly the, like the way you said it. I you would have just a bunch of like perfect uh, perfect jawline guys running <laughs> around. <laughs> so but yeah, that's him. I mean, I don't know what to say pretty dope 
good for him. And good his legion. Him. And his legion. So, I guess uh, I guess let's move on to the actually actually the way he plays in the game and the way that the Ultramarines actually play in the game. How about that? Because <laughs> this whole fluff talk just went south real quick. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> sweet. We're not pitching the best game right now, but hey, they can't all be first round picks, folks. <laughs> yeah, if you want to play lawful, like if you're one of the guys that plays like the uh, lawful good paladin in D and D, this is the army for you. Yeah, and you know, and he is the, he's also the primer for you. Uh, so kill him in marriage to fuck and like never bought drugs or any of that. So. <laughs> never watched. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so ultramarine special rules let's go over this let's just jump right into their special rules let's do and jump right in uh you'll find this on page uh, 60 of the age of darkness rulebook. uh this is going to be all of the ultramarines rules uh first off every model in the army has legions to start A's, just like pretty much every space marine out there uh, all models with the special rule may always attempt to regroup at their normal leadership value regardless of casualties uh now the next one is it's extremely cool, and it kind of breaks into that uh, Codex Astartes that I said was kind of in their head. Uh, it's the interlocking interlocking tactics special rule. Uh, so Ultramarines pride themselves above all things on their unity of purpose and their seamless tactical integration in battle. Uh, for many years, they have been accorded as being the most numerous of the Space Marine Legions, and under their primarch, they have forged a significant range of tactical doctrines which hone their unity and strength in numbers to a lethal advantage. Uh, whenever a unit with the Legion Stardust Ultramarine Special Rule makes a shooting attack against a target which has already been successfully hit in the same shooting phase by another Ultramarine's unit, they may re-roll uh, rolls of a one-to-wound or penetration of the target's armor. Uh, this does not affect snapshots or blast weapons. Uh, and then for the purposes of that rule, an Ultramarine's unit is defined as any unit in the same detachment drawn from the Space Marine Legion Crusade Army list except Super Heavy Vehicles, Flyers, Servo Automata, and Battle Automata of any kind. Uh, so the ability to reroll all your ones to wound against anything that, uh, that has already been hit by one of your other units comes in really handy, uh, especially when you can just uh, sling out a pop shot from anything in the army. And just the ability of like it's like targeters and you know they're like marking the enemy and stuff like that or creating punches in the armor or some sort of weak spot on it. And they all work together. It's very fantastic, super cool. Uh, yeah, it it, it kind of shows like I think the intent I guess is like you know how they all work together or that you know military doctrine and theme sort of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, also, with interlocking tactics, whenever a unit with the Legion of Stars Ultramarine Special Rule charges a unit which is already engaged in an assault by another Ultramarine's unit and fails to reach a target owing to a failed charge range, this roll must be re-rolled. Uh, so this is another good thing, uh, especially if you're trying to basically help your boys out. I really feel like every Legion should have this because it makes sense to where like you're going to try extra hard to go help your, your friends out whenever they're already in a combat. Uh, but this is something that's specific to the Ultramarines only, where they get to re-roll that failed charge if they already have a unit in combat. Uh, and I think it's super cool. It's super fluffy. It makes a ton of sense. And just the idea behind it is super, super neat. So, yeah. uh, so not only are they going to be pretty decent at shooting, but they're also very good at close combat whenever you have uh, have them all charging. Uh, 
they also have the special rule uh, certainty and resolve. Any models with the Legion Sardis Ultramarine special rule uh, takes fear and regrouping test at an unmodified leadership value of 10 all the time. So that's uh, <laughs> for fear and regrouping test, not for morale checks. Something to think about. Uh, this is only going to be when you're when somebody causes fear to you and when you already failed a morale check and you're trying to regroup is the only time you use that leadership 10. Uh, but sometimes that'll come in handy, especially when you're uh, running from something. Regrouping on a 10 is very helpful. Uh, next thing is the rigid chain of command special rule. Uh, one potential disadvantage to the uncommon unity the Legion displays is its resilience on a rigid chain of command for its decision making. A chain that can momentarily be broken if a unit commander is slain. If all the HQ units in the Ultramarine Detachments are slain, their opponent gains plus one victory point. In addition, if the Army's Warlord is slain, then every unit in the Ultramarine Detachment with the Legion Star's Ultramarine Special Rule must take an immediate pinning test with the exception of those with the Independent Character Rule or who have an Independent Character join their unit. So, uh, it's... I mean, this is a drawback that... I guess if you lost your commander, it would, would definitely hurt you. And then if you got all your HQ killed in combat somehow, then it's definitely going to, that one point will sling in the other way. Uh, but it, it really plays to the fluff of the Ultramarines themselves, just because for that split second, you can tell they're probably like adjusting to the next commander or the next person in command. It's something that we talked about earlier where when a uh, Gilliman appoints you to a position. He has the trust that you're going to put somebody in the in the uh, place to follow up with you. And in that case, it's like once they lose something, somebody like that, obviously the next person in line has to step up and they have to assess the situation and they have to drop whatever smaller things they were working on to now take on the uh, the full weight of the entire situation and, and kind of get an idea of what's going on and start using their brain instead of taking orders. Um, that is, yeah, that's going to be it for all of their special rules. Anything you want to say about that, Ryan? Or Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, because Ultramarine's unit can be really anything except the flyer, like you talked about, like, you got to think you can drive up in a rhino, get your tactical marines out of your rhino, shoot the combi bolter on the rhino at a unit and then give all the benefits to the unit that just got out of the rhino to then shoot even more guns at it. Yeah. So you can, uh, whatever kind of unit and you're the, shooting at, you can go ahead and reroll the ones on the wound or you can get your plus one, the armor penetration or oh, rerolling the one to the armor penetration. So, yeah. The other thing you can do, there's nothing stopping you, um, from shooting something you can't hurt. So it may sound silly, but if you have like something deep up in the backfield, like a rhino or anything, there's nothing stopping you from like shooting a predator with a storm bolter or a combi bolter, just and then uh, just to hit it to give the bonus and then shoot it with devastators to get rid of it to reroll the ones. Hell yeah! I always think of it like a like they're putting like a pierce in the armor or something like that, or like they're putting a chink in the armor while the other. I mean, they, I think it's just more like they're just looking at it for weak spots. They're basically just playing spotter for their yeah. buddies. Yeah, super cool. So there's, you just have to be really 
if you're really good, for one, it, it's one of those things like somebody who's really good at like uh, threat assessment and target priority is usually pretty good at the game anyway. If you give one of those players ultramarines where they can also like determine a lot via the order in which they shoot things, like because you don't want to shoot that tactical squad first and then shoot that rhino later because then you've like basically forgone the bonus. Like if you shoot them in a different order, you get so much more out of the army. Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's somebody who who real like somebody who realizes tactics and like can remember all that. This is the fantastic armor for you to play. Uh, this is gonna really uh, really show whenever you're uh, you're picking which unit to activate, which unit to uh, to send shots online. So it also makes power of the machine spirit and stuff like that really good because you can fire, you can shoot at multiple. Um, units and then give several units bonuses against the entire enemy army yeah so that's why it was funny when it did work when it did work for uh flyers and shit you could drop in a charybdis and it had like the five independent missile launchers that could shoot at five different units and just tag everybody yeah or a fire after could fly on and shoot like three or four different units Rock and roll. So, what do you think about that uh, rigid chain of command? Like, is it a mega drawback? Have you ever seen that mess anybody up? Like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody mess so. up a pen I feel like chest. Most, I feel like most people forget about it. Um, and also, a lot of the times that I've played Ultramarines, because the, the local guy here always played fucking Gilliman. So, if you were killing his commander, you are killing his Primarch anyway. And it usually meant that like the battle was kind of over in a way. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of when Gilliman died while I was playing at Warzone Houston if we did anything or if we just kept going. I don't think he took a leadership test for everybody. Man, it was just like a sad moment. <laughs> it's like... Everybody, I mean, most... Because here's the thing, like with Ultramarines, it's like most Marine units have a leadership of eight or nine, nine if the sergeant's alive, and then you got things like Suzerain and everything else that give, like, bonuses to it. So it's really fucking hard to fail, like, leadership nine and ten. So even if you do, you know, your your whole army, as far as, like, guys with an actual leadership value, usually have, like, what, at most five units, six units? Like, I just, you, it's not something that you really should worry about too much. <laughs> and then plus you're Michael. <laughs> and plus you're gonna like just kill somebody's Gilliman and be like oh man that sucks I'm gonna need you to test on everybody <laughs> like you like total like yeah. dick move like <laughs> hey uh hey I know that you're ultramarines so could you pin everybody please <laughs> I know I know but it's your role uh, so anyway, uh, I guess we can look at some of the Legion-specific units. Uh, so in addition to normal units, uh, they also have... Actually, let's go into war gear. So they have special units. They have the Invictorist, uh, Caesarean Squad, some Terminator Strike Squads. Uh, but they have some special uh, some special war gear that they did. So independent characters in Legion also have access to two unique items of war gear. Uh, they get access to the Legatine Axe and the Mantles of Ultramar. 
Legion Breacher squads with Legion Stardust Ultramarine special rule may exchange their bolters with power swords for plus five points each. Uh, so just looking at the Legatine Axe, which uh, which they have access to. Let me go ahead and see here. It's pretty baller. It's pretty yeah, boss it's little pretty weapon. Pretty fucking good. This is like one of the better better Legion specific weapons in the game. So any model that's an independent character with Ultramarine Special Rule may exchange your Chainsword or Combat Blade for a Legatine Axe for 20 points. Uh, this is going to be Strength as User AP2. It's a melee specialist weapon with the Cutting Strike Special Rule, which means any results of a 6 with this weapon will wound automatically uh, at AP2. So this thing is slinging out there. Uh, strength 4, though. I mean, Strength as User kind of blows, but... AP two striking at a uh, striking at initiative is pretty sweet. Yeah, and when it automatically wounds on a six to hit, it really doesn't matter what strength it is. So, yeah, that's pretty damn pretty damn good. Yeah, one of the faster striking AP two weapons out there. Uh, the other thing is the mantles of Ultramar. Uh, Man of Ultramar counts as a suit of artificer armor, gaining. Plus two armor save. In addition, it provides the feel no pain, uh, five plus special rule, and immunity to blind special rule for the wearer only. A Praetor in the ultra with the Ultramarine special rule may exchange their artifice armor for one of the mountains of Ultramar for plus twenty points. Any downside to that mantles of Ultramar? No, it's just a. I mean, twenty point. But what's it? It just gives you feel no pain, right? And you're immune to blind. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a little expensive for Phil No Pain, 20 points, but it's all right. I mean, a lot of people just put them in a unit with an apothecary. <laughs> why does it, like, why would a mantle stop blind from happening? Well, well, it's a whole suit of armor. Maybe it's got special lens filters or something. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking it was like a cape. He like, whatever. Uh, so yeah, and then on top of that, your uh, like we had mentioned earlier, your breacher squads can swap out their bolters and powers for power swords. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Five points a piece, so it's gonna be get pretty pricey real quick. But a cool, a cool like look, especially because the Forge World offers those little gladiuses that you can get, and so those would be real fun if you wanted to spend some coin. <laughs> And points. Uh, but I guess let's go ahead and start looking at what kind of units they get. So under their Elite choices, you can take an Invictarius uh, Caesarian Squad for 200 points. Uh, so the Invictarius Caesarian Squad is a normal infantry squad with a bolt pistol. Everybody in there has a Legatine Axe, Boarding Shield, Frag Crack Grenades, and all of them have Artificer Armor. Uh, they have the special rules: Legion Stars, Ultramarines, Implacable Advance, Lord of or- Lords of Ultramar, Chosen Warriors, and Honor Bearers. Uh, so that Lords of Ultramar rule gives them uh, a l- units with this Legion Stars, Ultramarine special rule, as well as allied attachments drawn from either the Solar Auxiliary or Pillar Army list within 12 inches of the Invictarius Caesarian models, which itself is not pinned or falling back. Gain a plus one to their leadership modifier to a maximum of leadership 10. Uh, so this is what Ryan was talking about a little bit earlier ago, that you're always going to kind of have that additional, like that nine leadership. And then if you're around them, you're going to get that bump up to that 10 uh, just because they're uh, um, 
indefatigable warriors whose action and examples are held up as paragons of their fellow ultramarines. So like little mini gods walking around. Uh, they also have the chosen warrior special rule, which means any model in the squad may issue and accept challenges. Uh, they also have the honor bearers rule, which means as well as being an elite choice in their own right, an victorious Caesarian squad may be chosen instead of a command squad for any Praetor of the Ultramarines Legion, as well as any of the Ultramarines models with the Magister of Legion special rule. Uh, if this is the case, then one of the Invictarius Caesarians must exchange their boarding shield for a leg- Legion standard as an Invictarius agent, ancient, and be so appropriately modeled. Uh, so these guys out the gate are weapon skill five, bliss skill four, strength four, toughness four. They have one wound apiece. Uh, they're initiative four. They get two attacks each, and they're strength ten, and they got that two plus save because of their uh, artificer armor. Uh, all of them can exchange their bolt pistol for a plasma pistol for fifteen points apiece, and uh, they can change their axe for a thunder hammer for that fifteen points as well. So this unit, I mean, if you if you just look at just on paper. Uh, the unit's extremely good at combat just because they're all running around with these at-initiative legatine axes. So uh, they're going to be hitting you fast and hard. Uh, before you have a chance to do anything, they're cleaving through even your sergeants and artificer armor and stuff like that. Uh, adding on to their very, very awesome assault capabilities, they also have these uh, the great survivability of being armed with these boarding shields. Uh, so not only do their boarding and shields... Artificer armor. Yeah, their boarding shields and artificer armor. And on top of that, because most of the unit is armed with boarding shields, uh, they will also get the advantage of the uh, defensive grenades. So it's like win, win, win all the way around. If they get charged, they're going to probably end up killing the unit that charged them. Um, The other nice thing about them that people severely underestimate as to why they're good is the fact that they're not bulky, and you can buy them a normal Land Raider, which is much cheaper than a Spartan, and still fit a shitload of them with an apothecary in it without yeah. having to go to a Spartan. In. Or an Anvilus, you can do it with a fucking regular yep. Drake Claw, you know. Yep. Just the fact, because most of these other really heavy-hitting combat units are in some form of Terminator armor or bulky, like Galvorback. So these guys, you can pack a whole tetra, uh, like... It basically opens up your transport options to cheaper transports that still have the assault or other things like that don't really get the opportunity to do that because you're cutting the squad way back. So this squad by itself is a uh, fantastic just heavy hitter. And I don't know, Do you would you guys run this with like a Praetor or as a command squad or anything like that with this Legion standard or are you just running it? You just get a really, really... Like, you get a lot of mileage out of a chaplain in this unit because he lets you re-roll the hit. And why that's good is, like I said, you do the auto wound on a six to hit. So even, you know... Yeah, well, not only are you just getting to re-roll the hit, but you're also basically, in a way, getting to re-roll the wound. If that makes sense, like Scott's saying. Yeah. Pretty gnarly, man. Pretty gnarly. It's a strong unit. I Most of the yeah, pe- people who really play this a lot, like that, are really trying to get the most out of it. You see them a lot with chaplains and apothecaries in there. Super survivable, two plus armor save, five plus feel no pain, and then on top of that, in combat, they're all getting that five plus uh, invulnerable save if you're fighting other big nasties. But I mean, even if you're fighting a unit of terminators, you're getting to fight way before they do. Uh, anything that's going to 
knock out your your two plus save in combat is probably going to be striking after you uh, unless you're fighting something like right. a praetor with a paragon blade or a blade of perdition or something like that but even then you have this uh five plus uh no well at that point you'll not only have the five plus feel no pain or i'm sorry five plus uh uh invulnerable save but then if you have an apothecary rolling with you it's you're also going to get that feel no pain and definitely going to be something that like you you wouldn't have to worry about not getting your feel no pain so much because likely you're going to kill something that has a power fist long before it has a chance to use that power fist against you so but super cool unit super uh super deadly uh it's actually like i guess one of the better close combat units in the game and when you compare that to other legions who are pretty dedicated to close combat and you're like why the hell do they get that and we just like get chain axes it's like oh yeah well that's how it works so uh so next up the next special unit they get they get uh honored telemachus which is uh the Fury of Kalth, the Hero of the Bloody Keep, the last of the old 92nd. Uh, so Telemachus is a legendary Gabriel Telemach of the 92nd Company. Uh, he's now interred into a, a Dreadnought. Uh, he's 255 points. He's a unique walker. Uh, he has a Dreadnought close combat weapon with an inbuilt combi bolter. He has carries assault cannon. He has extra armor, smoke launchers, searchlight. His special rules is adamantic shielding, fleet, brutal charge, living icon of the Legion. He's resilient, and he has the wrath in betrayal. Uh, so I believe Telemachus is a contemptor, correct? Yep. There's just no way that... No, uh, no, uh, he's a unique walker. Yeah, so so he's like, <laughs> he's something. He's something all right. Uh, his weapon skills... put him sit- in a drop pod. That would be cheesy. I was told that by yeah. someone in the know. Yeah. He can Magnus is okay, folks. Magnus is okay. <laughs> Custodes are okay. Putting this guy in a drop pod is over the line. Yeah. Uh, so he's weapon skill 6, plus skill 5, strength 7, front armor 13, side armor 12, rear armor 10, initiative 4. He's got 3 attacks and 4 hole points. Uh, he's got the brutal charge rule, which means he afflicts D3 hammer of wrath attacks on the charge. He's also the living icon of the legion. Uh, so anyone within 12 inches of him get plus one to their assault resolution score and add plus one to their sweeping advance rolls. Um, he's also resilient, which means uh, whenever he suffers a penetrating hit, the owning player may ask their opponent to reroll the results on the vehicle damage chart for the destroyer damage or the destroyer damage chart. However, the second result will always stand, which is the old uh, venerable old venerable rule. And then he also has the Wrath and Betrayal rule, which means uh, he has Hatred, uh, Traitor Allegiance Astartes special rule, which applies to all units chosen from the Traitor Legion Astartes force. Uh, so he's not bad. I mean, he's a very expensive Dreadnought, um, 255 points. Uh, he's not really getting anything. Like You can actually buy a Kalth box right now and build him if you wanted to. I mean, he, That's the kind of Dreadnought he is, just a contemptor with a power fist and it carries assault call assault cannon. Now, would you take this guy or spend like the extra 20 or so points to just get a leviathan where you can put it in a pot i yeah. would definitely take the leviathan yep okay. yeah just just saying just saying this guy is go in a pod 
I don't see any of these <laughs> named dreadnoughts as good as a Leviathan. Leviathan's going pods. Just Phosphacks. <laughs> Phosphacks. Just, just ask yourself. Phosphacks Unfortunately, guys. What would and... be the problem with putting this guy in a pod? I don't really see one, but um, apparently there is. So, yeah, unfortunately, guys, you're not going to, like, I, I have never seen anybody filled a Telemachus. I saw somebody working on one to build it to add to their force for, like, a display board, but I've never actually seen one played on the field. Uh, until he gets some sort of transport options, uh, he's a, a, a contemptor running across the field with a carries without any way to make him faster or get him there. It's just going to die. That's just the bottom line. Doesn't matter how many times you can make your opponent re-roll the armor penetration against you because it's not like i feel getting... like a standard contemptor is pretty is overpointed anyway as is yeah and then this guy's like fucking 80 more points or <laughs> something whatever for an extra whole point in venerable yeah if you had a like if you replace that venerable with a four up uh invulnerable man i'd then we'd be talking business but unfortunately I mean, he already not. has a five up it's not i mean he still got the i mean i don't know man Hey, four up, four up on the Leviathan does not ever play. Not even yeah. once. I know. Just <laughs> fucking play a Leviathan. Dude, for real. That's that's it. That's almost the answer. Sorry, guys. It's just it's he's a tough sell. He's a tough sell. If if he could possibly like get scout or something like that, or maybe uh, be put inside of a dreadnought drop pod or any sort of transport, he'd be a lot better. But unfortunately, in this case, you probably it's too won't many be. points. It's too many points, and he needs to needs to be able to be put in a drop drop pod. or a story, or a cool, or a really fucking cool story, instead of the little side arc over here. Um, He's in the novel. He's in the uh, uh, fuck. No, 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 fear. no fear. He's really cool. He drops from orbit in that in an entire spacecraft. Yeah, <laughs> true story. So the next unit is the Lucataris. Storm Squad, Lucktaurus Storm Squad, 185 points gets you five models. Uh, this is going to be the Lucktaurus. They're jump infantry. Uh, they have a bolt pistol, power sword, jump pack, frag and crack grenades, artificer armor, um, and the special rules: opening salvo and then precision intervention. Across the board, uh, their stat line is exactly the same as every other Space Marine with the. Weapon skill, ballistic skill, strength, toughness of four, uh, one wound apiece, initiative four. They have one attack apiece. The strike leader has two attacks, the leadership eight. Uh, however, they all have a two-plus armor save because they're all loaded up in artificer armor. Uh, the squad can get five more uh, Lactaris for 20 points each. That's really expensive. Uh, but for every model in this squad, a single Lactaris may exchange their bolt pistol for one of the following, which is a plasma pistol or hand flamer. Uh, the strike leader may exchange their power sword for a power axe, a lightning claw, or a power fist. Uh, the Lactar strike leader may exchange his bolt pistol for a plasma pistol or a hand flamer. Uh, the whole the strike leader may take a melt bomb or a combat shield. Um, the opening salvo rule get, means that on the turn in which the squad arrives via deep strike, it may fire its pistol type weapons twice in the shooting phase. Uh, this must be against the same target. Characters who have joined the unit do not gain this ability. And they also have the precision intervention rule, which means when arriving via deep strike, the unit may re-roll the scatter dice to see where it lands, but must accept the second re roll's result. Uh, so that is 185 points for five dudes who have jump packs that 
reroll their scatter. Uh, so 37 points. They have armor. artificer armor. And artificer armor. And they also have free power swords. So are you sold on them? You filled in this unit? No. They don't score. If you have Gilliman in your army and you spammed a bunch of these, like if you took three squads and put Gilliman in your army, where you could then use his ability that gives three units in the same slot, or you that gives any unit type, like any unit of the same name, an ability, then they become worth it because you can give them all scoring or give them all counterattack or whatever. But even then, it's kind of like they just have fucking power swords. I don't really see a lot of people use them. They have artificer armor too, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, they have artificer armor. The main the main problem is they have power swords and there's no way to ditch those for axes. Yeah. Even if just like two or three guys could go fuck this sword, give me an axe, you'd be good to go. Yeah. Or if power swords like had rending like they should. Wow, wow, wow. Sorry, Lakatara Storm Squad. Maybe next edition. They're really good at killing like other tacticals and other assault marines, but like the things that you would want like cause these guys are supposed to be like an elite assault unit, but you like you're gonna send a bunch of dudes with power swords out of terminators. Because these guys are going to fight Terminators just like a normal assault squad would. <laughs> hey, guys, can I get one of those Legatine? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, hey, you guys hey we're in Artificer them. Armor. Yeah, Terminators will ignore that. Hey, we have Power Swords. Yeah, that doesn't ignore their armor. So you might as well just be a much cheaper Assault Marine. <laughs> Poor guys. So uh, these guys kind of like... They just... I don't know. I'm trying to think... I guess they would be decent against, like, Mechanicum or somebody like that that has a bunch of three-up armor saves that don't really have a bunch of two-plus, like, unit-wide. They're as good at killing Space Marines as other Space Marines. Like, like they will they will murder a Space Marine squad, but, like, you're kind of giving 150 po- 150% points to kill, like, a lot so, less. They're overkill for little squads like that. Yeah. It's weird. It's like they're really good at kill, like you said, they're really good at killing stuff that really pretty much anything will kill. But then they're no better at killing stuff that it's elite than any other fucking unit would be. Yeah. Yep. It's like buying a three-quarter ton truck to pull an empty trailer. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna do it, but there's a lot of stuff that can do that as well. A car could pull an empty trailer if it wanted to. And they don't get melted bombs. That's another big drawback. They don't get squad wide melted bombs like an assault squad. No, but that uh that uh that strike leader there, he can carry a axe and a melted bomb if you show chose. But really, you don't want the him unit, doing all the, the work. unit needs at least three of that guy, and it'd be good to go. <laughs> they, these guys wouldn't be a bad bodyguard for like a jump pack praetor. Like if you took a jump pack praetor that's pretty combated out that can kill a whole unit and then threw these guys in as ablative wounds just with the two plus and then an apothecary with a jump pack where they got feel no pain it'd be a, like a decent bodyguard unit for something that's way killier than they are <laughs> just be careful boys so uh their next special unit is a heavy support choice this is going to be the Fulmentaris Terminator Strike Squad. Okay, we're done. Move on. Fuck 225 you points gives you five Terminators, uh, one of which is going to be your Decarion. Uh, 
These Terminators have a Power Maul, Combi Bolter, Primarch, tar or, I'm sorry, Petriarch Targeter, Cataphractic Pattern, Terminator Armor. Paratark? Paratark Targeter. Uh, so the squad can have five more Terminators for 35 points apiece. Any model may exchange their Power Maul for a Power Sword or Power Axe for free. Any model in the squad may exchange their Power Maul for a Power Fist. All models... Oh, that's five points. All models in the squad may exchange their combi bolter for one of the following heavy weapons. A combi melta or a reaper autocannon for 20 points for that autocannon. Good lord. Uh, so as they have not already... So long as they have not already exchanged their combi bolter for heavy weapons, all the models in the squad may be equipped with cyclone missile launchers. In addition to the normal armament, if this option is taken, all models in the squad must be identically equipped. Which would be 30 points each for a cyclone missile launcher. So if one yep. person has them, they all have to have them. So why don't you go ahead and figure out uh, how many ten of these guys is with cyclones? Oh uh, wait, because that would be five hundred twenty-five points. Oh wait, no, that would be five hundred twenty-five points plus one seventy-three hundred. Yeah, it's like seven hundred points. Well, the, the Cyclones alone, because they're 30 points apiece and you have 10 guys, is 300 points. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 35 times 5 is 175, plus 225 is 400, plus 300. Yeah, it's 700 points on the dot. Yeah. Pretty cheap unit. <laughs> 70 points apiece for a one-wound Terminator. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> However, they do have a... Uh, Paratar targeter, which means so long as two models equipped with a Paratar targeter are in the unit. However, you could just take. You could just. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, what does that thing do? Make that unit turn into a fucking warhound by some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they transform into a warhound like fucking uh, Voltron. They just stack on top of each other and like form fucking Voltron warhound. Well, for your information, guys, it gives us a night vision special rule. I don't know why. Oh wow! Watch out. And it also gives them, if they have a bunch of fucking guys, that gives them take hunter. But like, if you lose two dudes, it goes away. Or so whatever. long as at least five models equipped with a paratark targeter are in the unit, the entire unit gains a tank hunter special rule. And so long as eight models equipped with a paratark targeter yeah. are in the unit, the opposing player makes its cover saves at minus one against the unit. Yeah. Nope. Not worth it. Like I just don't. How do you make siege tyrants right? And I think a full fucking ten man squad of siege tyrants is like five hundred points, so they're like two almost th like two hundred and some points cheaper than these guys. I want to say it's like well, you do realize I could just take a fucking siege breaker and add it to my siege tyrants and give them tank hunter, and they always have it until homeboy dies. And plus, I'm adding two more wounds to a unit and a whole other terminator model. For like 135 points, which still is cheaper than this whole 10 man squad of guys. Yeah, these dudes are rough. They have night vision, though. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Siege Tyrants have night vision. Don't think, Scott? No, but they have split fire. They have split fire. <laughs> I know that. And they can <laughs> deep strike. Take them with Perturabo. Yeah. So, guys, if you're. Just getting started this in is, Marines. It, you know this is a, the only time I ever hear these guys mentioned. The only time. 
is when once a year somebody does the challenge of how many point like how many points can you make a list just using an FOC chart? What's the most expensive army you could build? And these guys inevitably <laughs> come up of a full unit of these guys with every option in a fucking Spartan with every option as a single choice, and then doing that three times for heavy support. Like that's the only time these guys ever come up in a conversation. Mm. And it's not like their missiles are any better than. I'm almost sure it's cheaper to take a unit of siege tyrants and just put like a siege breaker in that unit to give it tank hunter than yep. it is to take more fulminaris so they can get tank hunter. Yep, it is. It's 100 percent cheaper. You can probably for the same price get a master of signals to give them the plus one ballistic skill and have a bombardment and have another character and also take a siege breaker and give them tank hunter and have another character and have more ablated wounds. So before you go rush and buy everybody's cataphractic terminator armors and uh, uh, missile launchers, kids, for your new Ultramarines army, go ahead and rethink of that. And I, I mean, I guess people will say, well, I can't take Siege Tyrants because I'm playing Ultramarine. Yeah, well, these guys are just too many fucking points. That's all there is to it. I'm <laughs> You're just missing comparing, the point. Yeah, You're I'm just like comparing. It's a point. direct comparison to fucking Siege Tyrants. Like, they do the same thing, and these guys are just absurdly more expensive for no reason. <laughs> and our buddy Kenneth tried playing these guys. Like, really, really tried. So this isn't like... We're just talking about it on paper. Like, we fought these guys game after game after game yeah. for a couple months, and he finally was just like, these guys, it's like, I've never, I've played them, like, a dozen times, and they've never a single time earned their points back. Fuck these guys. And not to mention, they come with a power mall that, like, Siege Tyrants come with fucking power fists. So. Yeah. Yeah, they have to pay five points apiece to get to the power fist. So that's another 50 fucking points. 750 Very points, good. and now you have a warhound. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Give them something. <laughs> They're Our beating good, you with yeah. the malls. Uh, Bummer Town, USA. Oh, well, that's the point of this show, so you guys know what not to buy. Um, <laughs> well, they don't sell models for them. So it's pretty easy not to buy them. <laughs> or not, are these one of these things that they snuck in? I don't think they made models for these yet, did they? No. No. Oh. All right. So stick to suzerains. At least you have suzerains. And yeah. you have one of the better Primarchs who's not made it to him yet. Yeah. So next up at 155 points is uh, Captain Remus. Venetanus. Ventanis. Uh, so this is going to be a unique infantry character. He's got an iron halo, a power sword, a bolt pistol, melted bombs, nuncio box, frag and crack grenades, legion standard, and he has power armor. Uh, he is also legion started as ultramarines. He's master of legion. He's an independent character. Uh, if uh, He's a warlord, which means if he's army's warlord, he has a resolute planning trait rather than rolling randomly. Uh, he also has Adamantium Will, and he also has Cunning strat Strategist. Uh, his weapon skill 5, blitz skill 5, strength 4, toughness 4. He's got 3 wounds, initiative 5, 3 attacks, leadership 10, with a 3-plus armor save. Whew, all that free artificer armor on everybody, and Remus is running around with his power armor. Um, 
is cunning strategist <laughs> special rule gives him uh, while he's alive the opposing player has a minus one modifier to all reserve rolls and the owning player may choose to re-roll any resor- reserve rolls made whether failed or successful um, that's really good yep uh, that's actually better than fucking what do you call it um, Al- Alvarex Mon like who is the yep. jump master that's pretty crazy uh, he also has uh, Resolute Planning, the hallmark of Renus's command, with a phenomenal resolution in which he commanded his will and blood to any st- strategy he decided upon the battlefield. No matter the odds of the opposition, his ability to inspire those in his service to do the same. During the murderous perdifi- perfidy of the Battle of Kalth, it was this factor above all else which allowed the forces under his command to endure and triumph. Both Captain Remus and any units with Legion Stardust Ultramarine Special Rule and any and any army with Remus as its warlord have the stubborn special rule when they have at least one model within three inches of an objective. So Yep. Pretty good. What's up with that save though? Power armor bud? He, I don't yeah. know, he couldn't couldn't fucking beat up one of those Loctaris guys and take theirs or Jesus yeah. Christ, man. Well, he couldn't because they have a power sword. He only has a three-up armor to start with. Yeah. So they found... Got him! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta watch his P's and Q's around those guys. But... They're just waiting to use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just waiting to kill they're like the fucking. They're like the fucking bully. They're like, oh, that guy's got a three-up armor save. And then they go like push him around and bully him. And they're like, come on, guys. What are you going to do? Then, what are you going to do, Regis? Yeah, then here walks a fucking Terminator. And they're like, oh, fuck. And they just disappear. Like, chill, you can't even chill. find him. Guys, it's the fuzz. But actually, this guy, for his points, really isn't too bad. He's definitely not a combat character. You don't really want him to sniff combat, but just support for your army. He's really not that bad of a choice. Yeah, I like that cunning stra- uh, strategist rule on him. That's actually really good. Especially forcing that like it, you're getting both the benefits of uh you're getting both benefits of the uh the what do you call it? The Land Raider Proteus with the augury web. Yep. But this guy how much is he? He's like one one fifty five. Yeah. So that's the the only way to get decent reserve manipulation for really cheap is a defense wall with a relay in it but that's still pretty close to 100 points so and it doesn't fill out a compulsory slot or whatever plus you have to have somebody manning it to get the benefit so i mean even if all you're doing is taking this guy for that benefit he's still pretty decent yeah i agree so anyway next up comes a really fun one at 100 points it's gonna be the hq slot it's gonna be damocles command rhino uh, so this is going to be a the tank. It's got a twin link bolter, geolocator beacon, command box relay, searchlight, and smoke launchers. Uh, it's got the special rule focus bombardment, the special rule special deployment, and it can carry six models. It may not carry any models with bulky, very bulky, or extremely bulky special rules, and it has one access point in the side in the side and the rear. Uh, one access point on each side of the hole and one on the rear, which classic Rhino. Uh, Blitz Scale 4, what front armor, side armor, and rear armor are all 11. It's got three hull points. It can take extra armor, a pen amount of heavy bolter, a hunter killer missile, and a dozer blade. 
the geolocator beacon means units arrive units arriving via deep strike which are part of the force containing the damocles do not need to roll a scatter if they choose to arrive within 24 inches of the damocles uh, the Damocles allows its controlling player to add plus one or subtract minus one from the result of any reserve rolls they make while the Damocles is still in play. In addition, should enemy models suffer a deep strike mishap when the Damocles is in play, the roll is a minus one modifier. Um, and then last but not least, it has the Focus Bombardment, which is an unlimited range, strength eight, AP three, Ordnance one, Lance, twin linked barrage, large blast five. Uh, so this is not like the uh, one-use barrages that you see in other armies or in other units. This is going to be a straight-up, like... It's not one-use? I thought it was one-use. It is not one-use. You just keep bringing it down. Keep bringing on the rain. Yeah. The Damocles, is it? No. Son of no. a bitch. Oh. I always, uh, like, I'm looking right now in the actual army list, because I'm, like, pretty sure it's one use. It is not one use. I will have learned something new if it's not one use. <laughs> well, the Legion episode strikes again. <laughs> well, 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 what do we have here? <laughs> oh... This is good. It says once per game, the Damocles oh. can call down a bombardment. It's in the fucking... No. Oh. It's not in the entry. It's in the description. Darn. Once per game. Once sir. per game. Oh, it's okay. All right, cool. Well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's like, everybody, she, everybody at home was like, what? What? Oh. Damon, Damocles is fucking... The shit. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, unlimited range, uh, strength eight, AP three. It is uh, it is Lance. That's something that I always liked about it. Uh, The problem is that AP three kind of blows, but other than that, still barrage. So you're getting the good armor. And if they have really, really good side armor, that Lance rules bring that down to twelve. So yeah, you're doing a good job. Uh. Special deployment, special rule means zero to one. Damocles command rhinos may be taken in any Legion of Stardust Crusade army list, so this can go across the board. Uh, however, uh, Ultramarines get to take it special, and that that is removed, and they can take it as a command rhino as a dedicated transport for the master of the signal in an Ultramarines Legion a primary detachment. So you can just take it as a uh, as a dedicated transport. So you can yep. technically have two in an army if you want it. And have four bombardments if you wanted. Because you're master of signals. If you so chose. Anyway, what are you doing with that, guys, besides the reserve manipulation? Anything special? Bombardments on people, and then also it has that bubble and deep strike, which is pretty decent. Yeah, it's pretty decent. I like it. Okay, last but not least... The man himself, the man of the hour. Powerful Robote Gilman. So, Robote Gilman, 400 points coming in with the Armor of Reason, the Gladius Incanador, and the Hand of Dominion, and the Arbitrator, Cognitive Signum, and Frag, frag Grenades. Uh, all of those are going to be names of weapons, so we'll go over this in just a second. 
Uh, he's people oftentimes forget this home, homeboy has a cognoscignum. Scott is leaving us. He doesn't care about Gilliman, apparently. No, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need me to fucking sit here and blow smoke up his ass. Our Gilliman's dude just fine. Okay, he's <laughs> got amazing hair. He's handsome, smart. It's fucking everything that I'm not. And I'm going to dark. <laughs> he had a great childhood, loving parents. <laughs> amazing childhood. Parents loved him. When he was 16, so he got a car. <laughs> He had a girlfriend for a while. Fucking huge hog. He's got it all, man. <laughs> Gilliman's exactly, exactly like those person you like. You walk up to and like next to the urinal. You're like, surely, surely he has everything. There's no way. He'd... God damn it! <laughs> He's got that. No. It's, a, it's a baby arm holding apple. Oh Jesus! <laughs> God damn it's. It's perfectly permed and pressed too. It's magnificent. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. <laughs> All right, Scott, you have a good one. <laughs> you guys have a nice night. Uh, so anyway, what were you gonna say about Gilliman? Oh, he's awesome. He's uh, he's one of the better Primarchs in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And not only just because, I mean, just going across his profile itself. I mean, he has 400 points, but uh, Primarchs are always going to be... It's cheap for Primark. Yeah. What I was saying is a lot of people forget that he has a Cognosignum. So so if he's not already helping out his uh, already helping out his army, this is going to just squeeze that little bit extra for a unit out there. Yeah. Uh, he's Weapon Skill 7, Ballistic Skill 6, Strength 6, Toughness 6, Wounds 6, Initiative 6... Four attacks, his leadership 10, and of course he's got a 2 plus save because why wouldn't he? He's not an Angron. Uh, he is the sire of the Ultramarines, which means in Victoria's Caesarean squads and Legion Terminator squads may be taken as troop choices for the Ultramarines' primary detachment with Rubo Gilliman as its warlords. So you can just go ahead and spam the crap out of Victoria's Caesarean. Uh, any unit he joins may re-roll failed charge distances and ignore the effects of the concussion special rule. All models with the Legion of Stardust Ultramarine Special Rule in the army, the same army as Gilliman, gain plus one to the leadership value to a maximum of ten when he's in play. Uh, so he's, of course, beefing everybody up uh, all around the board. Uh, he also has the uh, Preternatural Strategy. Uh, Gilliman is a justifiably famed and even among his brother Primarchs for the intricacy and foresight in his strategic planning and the accruity of his ana analytical intelligence. On the battlefield, these powers of apprehension and warlike intellect are manifested through his legion as a deliberate and all but unstoppable force of arms. Uh, if any army consisting Rubik Gilliman has determined to have the first turn in a particular mission, the opposing player must re-roll successful attempts to seize the initiative where this is a factor. Uh, so that's the opposing player. So if somebody tries to seize on you, you say, Nah, dog, re-roll that six you just rolled. Because I'm a dick. <laughs> and, and not the funniest thing I've ever seen was here at our game club. Somebody, uh, they were playing a mission and they got ambush. And they were ambushing the ultramarines. And the ultramarines are in the middle. But the ultramarines had the turn, were able to go first. So the other guy rolled the C's and rolls the six. And like is fucking jumping up, down and partying. And the other guy's like, hey man, you got to re-roll that. And they're like, what? And he gets the rule book out and shows him. He's like, fuck. And he re-rolls it and rolls another six. <laughs> oh, gotcha, Gilliman. Yeah, Gilliman. Gilliman does that like white guy blinking gif. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? 
He got me. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Gilliman can also select a single unit entry from the Ultramarines army list. Units of this type in Robot Gilliman's army gain one of the following special rules, uh, which is Implacable Advance, Interceptor, or Tank Hunters, if they do not already possess it. Only one special rule may be chosen, which affects all of the units selected. Note that this applies to a particular entry in the army list, not types of models or the chosen units dedicated transports. So, for example, the ability could be applied to all Legion Land Raiders, Battle Squadron, whatever. So, you pick a unit, and you give it all implacable advance, interceptor, or tank hunters, which it's extremely powerful. Yeah, because you could like basically take any right of war you wanted. So normally, like in order to get jet bikes that score, you have to take a fucking all jet bike right of war that gives you all these restrictions. Or this allows you to just take whatever right of war, do whatever you want, but then in your fast attack. Just spam the fuck out of jet bikes and then go, oh, they're going to be scoring anyway because I have Gilliman in the army. Yep. And then it's like, well, we rolled a mission that scoring doesn't matter because it's kill each other. Okay, well, I'll just give them all Tank Hunter instead. Yep. I'm trying to think what would do really good with Tank Hunter that, like, you wouldn't expect to have Tank Hunter. And then once it does, it's like, that is really cool. Um, armored Breakthrough and just fucking spam a bunch of Predators as troops and then go, oh, look, they all have Tank Hunter. All these <laughs> fucking <laughs> last <laughs> cannon, yeah. auto cannon Preds. And then it's like, oh, cool, I'm playing a Drop Pod Army. I'll just give them all Interceptor. Enjoy that. Oh, God. Very cool. And you picked that at the beginning of the game, huh? Yep. Yep. So... Rock and roll. Okay. Uh, when fighting in a challenge, Rubik Gilman gets plus one weapon skill on each round of continuous combat after the first, becoming weapon skill eight on the second turn, weapon skill nine on the third turn, and weapon skill ten on the fourth and subsequent rounds. Uh, this effect is reset, and he must start again from his normal ballistics weapon skill rule value against each subsequent opponent fought in a challenge. Uh, so really pretty much the only time you're going to use this, I guess, is against other Primarchs. Uh, yep. Or somebody like, I guess, like a Scoria or something like that, but you'll yeah, you'll probably you, be dead to Scoria before that happens, but <laughs> I mean he you do have to pay two hundred and seventy five points for Scoria. I mean he should be able to do that, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Uh unyielding will. Rupert Gilliman's leadership value is not subject to negative modifiers of any kind and he may re roll failed deny the witch tests. Uh, the armor of also, reason. Also, wouldn't matter against Scoria because his weapon skills like way fucking higher than Scoria's from the get go. Oh yeah. Just throw that out there. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the armor of reason, known in the legends of Legion as the Everforged, Reforged armor. It was said that Rubo Gilliman himself had this set of artifice armor remade and adapted countless times, if ever a flaw or weakness was discovered in battle. And at various times, the artisanship, both of the Mars and his fellow Primarchs, Vulcan and Perturabo, influenced his design in the days before the Sundering of the Imperium. This armor provides a 2-plus armor save and 4-plus vulnerable save. And in addition, the first invulnerable save failed by Reboot Gilliman in each particular phase of the game may be re-rolled. Extremely good. Yeah. So that's like... Each phase. So it's like, oh, I shot him. And he failed an invul save. Oh, he gets to re-roll it. And then I charge him later in the game. Oh, he failed an in Oh, he gets to re-roll it. It's pretty fucking good. Stupid Gilliman, your sweet-ass armor. So, he also has the Gladius in Candor and the Hand of the Dominion. Uh, so, the Rubo Gilliman's controlling player may choose which of these two weapons to use in any particular assault phase. And all of the model's attacks are made with the chosen profile. 
But in either case, Gilliman gets plus one attack for using two specials weapon in combat. So the Gladius and Candor is going to be a sword, which is plus one strength, making it uh, strength seven. It's AP two. It's got melee, shred, murder, strike, and specialist weapon. Uh, then he also has the Hand of the Dominion, which is strength ten, AP one, melee, concussive, unwieldy specialist weapon. So it's like a big ass power fist. It's AP one, right? Yeah, AP one, strength ten. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Unless you're fighting a knight. <laughs> yeah, even then, because they can't challenge you or whatever. As long as you go in with some buddies and hope and just pray you don't get stomped. Stomp is such a dumb fucking rule. It is, and it works. <laughs> yeah, it's so dumb, though. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things that everybody hates and should have been removed from the game a long time ago, probably when they rewrote the rulebook. <laughs> it's one of those things. It was one of the, like, it was on the top five list of the first things you checked whenever you got that new book. You were like, we already knew invisibility was gone. It was on the check, like, stomp, haywire, Certain things like that were like I had to go check to make sure, and I'm like, "Yep, still not paying attention." That's all right, I guess. <laughs> if a warhound couldn't do it, why the hell would a knight do it? But anyway, moving on. Uh, so murder strike attacks with this special rule cause instant death on to wound rolls of a six. Uh, so that's going to be the murder strike on his Gladius and Candor. Uh, so. Yep. It's essentially just a Paragon Blade that has Shred. Yeah, so you get to re-roll your to wound. Yeah. Uh, he also has the Arbiter, Arbiter, Arbitrator rule, one of Gilliman's favored sidearms. Oh, I'm sorry, he has the Arbitrator, which is his Assault 2 rending uh, Strength 6 AP 3 18-inch combi bolter. You're normally just going to forgo shooting this fucking thing and Cognosignum somebody to give them a plus one ballistic skill. Because that's the kind of help of Primark that he is. So that's Gilliman, dude. So what unit are you pairing up your Gilliman with? What, like put him in a unit? Yeah. I like him in a unit of catafr- just standard cataphracty. A lot of people pile him in with the, the, the suzerains. I just think you're adding too much of what that unit already does because like Gilliman with his sword fights before everything else. It's a bunch of AP two, whatever. And then the same thing with the, the suzerain axe guys. Um, it's better to put Gilliman in with the unwieldy terminators, but the terminators are tougher and harder to kill than the suzerains. Cause the terminators have a four up invol where the suzerains only have a five up. They're both still just one wound but the Terminators are also slightly cheaper in points. So I feel like you're better off going with the Terminators as a Gilliman bodyguard, but then still running Suzerains, but just putting them with... Because you're still going to have to take a, a non-support character, which, like I said, is usually going to be a Chaplain if you're going to run Suzerains. So you do your Chaplain, Apothecary, and Suzerains in one unit, and then put Gilliman in with the unit of Terminators. And you have these two killy units instead of piling everything in one unit whenever you're like like let's say like theoretically you're running Killaman, are you throwing him like directly into combat where he needs to be or are you using him more as a support role and like with this combat oh you definitely put him in combat you paid 400 points for him you want to get everything you can out of him he's okay. a beat stick in close combat and he's also one of the better support primers okay just study but, I mean, ev- all everything the he gives, he gives you everything he gives you doesn't go away when he dies except for the cognosignum 
Yeah. So there's no reason not to use him. You're not having to. I mean, you want to obviously keep him alive because you don't want to give up the VP of losing a Primarch. Plus, he's good and can kill a lot of shit on the tabletop. And then if he dies, possibly pins everybody. Just remember that. I wouldn't not run him in Suzerain. If you can afford both the Terminators and the Suzerains, I would split them up. Like I said, do Terminators with Gilliman and the Suzerains with your other character in a, a Apothecary. Especially now that Apothecary Narthesiums don't work on Primarchs. There's no reason to put it in with an Apothecary. Like, it's not going to benefit him, so just put him with some Terminators. Um, but if you're short on points and you can only field one or the other unit, I mean, just he's fine with either one. Cool. I wouldn't be mad at somebody for putting him with Suzerains. Dig it. Love it. So that is all the special characters and special units that Ultramarines get. Uh, a couple winners in there, like Gilliman and his Caesarian. A couple not-so-good winners, like the uh, Felimontaris and uh, Telemachus or Telemach, dude. Tough. Yeah, tough, but, you know. I feel like the one the assault guys are kind of on the fence. They're not fucking terrible. They're not Night Raptor bad. Like, people who have Night Raptors would probably like to have these guys instead of Night Raptors. But um, they're also not super great. They're kind of like a mediocre unit. And then I feel like Fulmentars are a bad unit. And I feel like Suzerains are a really good I gotcha. So, definitely you have options out there, and especially with your interlocking tactics and stuff like that, it really makes every unit just a little bit better. So, Yep, you just have to remember to use all those rules, and then you, you're also going to get rules from whatever right of war you take, and then you can also enhance things if you have Gilman in your army by picking one of those three special rules. Now, keep in mind, if you put Gilman in an army, it sounds kind of weird, but you almost want to spam something like pick something you really like and kind of spam it that way when you give it that special rule it'll affect more things take full advantage of it yeah and what's crazy is it doesn't have to be a legion of stardis unit or anything like that i don't believe you can do it to anything i know you can do it to anything so you can take like you can take three squadrons of javelins and give all the javelins tank hunter if you want or give all the javelins uh, scoring with implacable advance. It's just three units. Or not three units, just units of a type. Select a single unit entry from the Ultramarines army list. Units yeah, of yep. So does that apply to allies too? No. Okay. Because they wouldn't be Ultramarines. It's basically just anything selected as an Ultramarine unit via the Space Marine army list. Okay. Fair enough. But, I mean, so you could even do it with, like, you could do it with Sakarans. Like, imagine, like, three Arcuses that have Tank Hunter. Brutal. Three normal Sakarans with Tank Hunter. Or, I mean, there's a lot of options out there of what to use that with. Yeah, brutal. Attack bikes with Tank Hunter would be pretty brutal, too. Yeah. Yep. Because you could throw a, a Poth carries in there with augury scanners and give them uh, <laughs> interceptor anyway. Yeah, just murder anything that comes close to you. Uh, yeah. Brutal. Well, even if they do come to their fucking senses, which I'm still holding out hope that they do, and they go back to limiting it, 
to 18 inches and all the other restrictions, it was still good before without being God tier for five points. So, yeah, man, you're running auto cannon attack bikes with tank hunter. Things start getting a little crazy when they have interceptor because yeah, now it's everything's on the, everything's game for you. Well, even multi-melters, you put multi-melters on them. Yeah. Because even if they have armored ceramite, you're still like, it's eight plus a D6 and you get to reroll that D6. It's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And then the guys can take melta bombs and the tank hunter still works for their close combat attacks because it's all their attacks. Yeah, I was thinking about the 48-inch range aspect of it or, you know, just the insane yep. range. But, yeah, no, I get where multi-meltas and a 24 I mean, if you're wanting to do that, I would, bubble. like I said, I would look at doing javelins, like a bunch of cyclones, outflanking cyclone javelins with fucking tank hunter at ballistic skill five. <laughs> We get yeah, it's good, it's good. Rubute, you great Primark, you. It's just funny because it takes things that are kind of like marginal. You're like, man, if this thing just had this, it would like I'd take it. It'd be that little extra thing. And it's like, well, guess what? If you have Ultramarines and you play Gilliman, you can have that little extra thing. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you start looking in the case of, like, the Javelin. Because it has the uh, strafing run and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Very good. Very good, Primark. Uh, Speaking of Rites of War, uh, the Ultramarines have access to the Logos Lectora Rite of War. uh, Which means all models of the Legion of Stars Ultramarine Special Rule, as well as the Ultramarines Dreadnoughts of any type in this attachment are subject to this Rite of War. Gain a single particular benefit each turn from the following list. Only one effect is in use at a time for the entire detachment. Uh, so they can have full march, which means any unit gets to reroll their run distances. They can get the hold fast roll, which means any affected unit which remains stationary this turn may make a snapshot at bus skill 2. And then they retribution strike. All affected units gain the counterattack special roll. Uh, so that is the full benefits of this route of war. Is all of you get to pick what they're doing for that one turn. Uh, detachment is now on the limitations. So detachment using this route of war must take a an additional compulsory HQ choice in addition to that of the usually required by the force organization chart. And this secondary compulsory choice must either be a master of the signal console or a Damocles command rhino. Uh, detachment using this route of war must take an additional compulsory troop choice in addition to that usually required by the force organization chart. Uh, detachment users for of war may not take more vehicles with either the tank or flyer type in total than they have infantry and units in the detachment. And then units which are part of this detachment using this route of war may not deploy as infiltrators or interplay via deep strike. Uh, this means that certain units which may interplay in this fashion, such as drop pods, may not be tar- taken as part of the detachment. Yeah. Think of all those drawbacks just to get one of three very mediocre special rules one at a time. During the game, now nah, I'll pass. Hard, hard no. This hard. is one of the worst rights of war. <laughs> this should be a salamander right award. So bad. <laughs> I'm gonna send. I'm gonna slam them on the brakes. I'm gonna send the idea of this right of the war right out the window. Yeah, there's like I'm not even gonna analyze this. It's so bad, and if like it's it's so obviously bad, I shouldn't have to analyze it. Oi. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the other Rite of War. 
I actually like this one a lot. I don't see very many people use it. It's not like super strong, but it's it's good. And if you know how to play it, and you we've we've done several lists with about this one on the show, and it's actually really fun, and you can do some really cool shit with it. So this one is called the Vigil Operati Mission. It's a unique route of war. Uh, it is Vigil Auxilla is the effects. So all infantry units in the aux- allied detachment in this army have the infiltrator special rule. Uh, so let me just go ahead and break this down. The right of war represents one of the possible iteration of a vigil operati force built around the core of the Legion's bonded augmented warriors, perhaps aspirants who fell short of the full Legion induction, uh, but who remain useful nonetheless led by a cadre of Legion veterans. Such forces may be used in a variety of situations, but would be highly appropriate to use as traitor imperialist militia force or perhaps an Alpha Legion force attempting to subvert loyalist control of the contested region. This Rite of War is very much the opposite side of the coin to Sacrificial Offering Rite of War presented earlier, demonstrating the Legion Stardust force fighting alongside mortal allies instead of using them as cat and fodder. Uh, so the Vigil Auxilla. So all infantry units in the Allied Detachment of this army have infiltrator special rule. Uh, all infantry unit in the Allied Detachment have the Implacable Advance special rule, and therefore count as scoring units regardless of their battlefield role. Overseers, Legion Recons, squads lose the support special rule and may therefore be taken as a compulsory troop choice. Uh, the army must include an Allied Detachment drawn from the Loyalist, Imperialist, Militia, and Warp Cult Army list, and therefore must take a, and this must take the Gene-Crafted and Warrior Elite provinces. The Allied Detachment may not include inducted levy squads. The right of war may not be used by any, may only be used by any army belonging to a loyalist faction, and the primar the primary detachment must include a legion vigilator. So this is like straight up teaching the local militia how to mess yep. stuff up. It's really cool. The infiltrate is surprisingly powerful with all the militia. Um, not necessarily because. You and you may not even want to like set them closer. It's just the fact that you can counter set them up to your opponent because you're always setting them up last, even if you're going first. Absolutely. It's um, uh... and so I my recommendation. I've always found it funny with the giant like heavy ass artillery batteries. Like your opponent doesn't know where you're going to put those. They have to put all their shit down, and then you get to infiltrate them. Which is basically just, like I said, putting them down after your opponent's already set up to counter whatever they're doing. It's it's pretty good. And yeah. the fact that all all your militia infantry guys get implacable advance, so you end up with lots of scoring units. And the drawbacks really aren't that harsh. On it. The only the worst part of it is the the providences that you're forced to pick aren't very good. They are fluffy, so I'm not mad at them, but they don't really blow my skirt up you know what i mean yeah i think i think it's pretty cool man i i definitely like the uh um all infantry units having the implacable advance rule like just across the board for your allied detachment that's insane like that basically means like every infantry unit regardless who are taking elites regardless you're taking heavy support infantry units everything is getting scoring which is insane and and infiltrate for whatever reason, so you can just go crazy with it. I mean, it's not letting you cheap to take the super cheap stuff like the uh, uh, the inducted levies and stuff like that. So it, it does uh, kind of price itself. Yeah, but normal militia are still yeah pretty damn cheap. cheap. Yeah, they're like one or two points more per guy or something like that. Yeah, 
So very cool, very cool uh, uh, ride of war right there. A lot of cool armies. Peter I've McGowan seen had that. the coolest one. Remember, he wrote that in, had that huge fucking book with it. It's all like illustrated and all kinds of crazy. It was fucking unbelievable. I'm like, this person put in more work into this army list than I've probably put into anything in my life. It was <laughs> one of the coolest things I've ever seen. You remember that? Each person had a name, dude. <laughs> Each yeah, individual person crazy. had a name. So good. And they but all anyway, had parents. Uh, yeah. It's, here's their family tree. It's like <laughs> JP when you kill those fucking militia guys and he goes through how he's on welfare and now his fucking wife has to work in a factory an extra two hours and not watching their kids and all this when you kill his militia guy. That was hilarious. That was very funny as well. You're just perpetuating a problem in the system. Yeah. But um, there's there's a few armies that I've done this right of war for in the list library. So if people want to check them out, you can just find them in the list library. It's super cool, man. I definitely like the idea behind it. I mean, we, I, I love the idea of those uh, short stories where it's kind of like just the space Marines coming in and teaching normal humans how to, uh, how to fight and things like that. And they're just like immediate commanders of wherever they, they, wherever they go. So can you think of any other ride of wars that you really like for ultramarines? Besides, they work uh, well with almost all of them. Like Armored Breakthrough yeah. is like the <laughs> silliest one with Gilliland in it. And pretty Given popular right tanks. now too, yeah. Given all those fucking tanks, armor or uh, Tank Hunter. Tank Hunter or Interceptor. It's pretty rotten. Um, the problem with them is Gilliman is so fucking good because he like gives you like uh, suzerains and terminators as troops anyway so it's like you kind of don't really need pride of the legion um so it's like i don't know you know what i mean like yeah no i hear you like if you just take gilliman like it pretty much unlocks whatever you want to make like it's 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 a build your own bear at that point yeah (laughs) i mean if you don't have him um Drop pods and, like, Rhino Rush are pretty good. So, like, Orbital Assault, because a drop pod can come in, shoot its uh, combi bolter at something, which then triggers your bonus for your guys getting out of your drop pod. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so, Not I mean, that's something. Yeah. No, but, like, a lot of people have discovered that being pretty good. Like, that's not anything most people wouldn't know about. Um, man, I, I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, like I said, they they pretty much will make anything work with their legion bonuses and and uh, and then like I said, you can take Gilliman and do some other stuff. There's really no like super sneaky shit with them, as far as I can remember. They're pretty straightforward. I mean, I think any route of war that you put them in, will they'll make the most of just because of their Primarch giving out so much buffs to this entire army. Well, like I said, even if you don't take him, it's just like their Legion rules are useful in about whatever army that you take. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other fun ones now. I mean, I guess their thing where you get to like re-roll the charge on somebody that's already engaged would probably work well with Drop Assault Vanguard. I was just thinking that, yeah. And then you could bring in the uh, their, their Drop Troops, their jump pack squads if you really wanted to and then they'll get that 
first turn assault because you no. put in the vanguard. No, 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 no. Because that's only assault marines go in the vanguard. Those no. are guys aren't assault marines. Never mind. But they're not blood angels, bro. Blood angels say all jump troops. The the drop assault vanguard does not say that. Well, never mind. Well, that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, they're just like a sh- pretty straightforward legion. It's a very easy yeah. legion to jump into. I really don't think you're going to have any unit that they're not going to excel at using. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, I, I, just thinking down the list of like what people normally take, you look at like something like quad mortars, you're going to do good with. Uh, you think of something like a Leviathan, you're going to do good with. I mean, they're very nice and friendly legion to play out the gate, it sounds like. Well, like, um, heavy support guys are actually pretty good in this because they're Legion Astartes Ultramarines. They actually benefit from the 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 overall army special rule, where you can just like shoot something, like shoot some piece of armor with something. It doesn't even matter, like bolt pistols, whatever, and then your uh, heavy support guys can light it up and get to reroll the ones. So it's like a diet tank hunter. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, I mean, that's okay. I mean, you just, if you remember all those little rules, like I said, there's all kinds of little things that it can, it can help you out with. That's one of the biggest things I could see as being like the issue behind this army is remembering all of your rules and like everything that, you know, just like, like if you're a player who has all that memorized and stuff like that, like if you play Ultramarines for, you know, I don't know, a good year and then switch to any other Legion, you're going to get both legions down pretty quickly because it's like if you can remember all the rules for your stuff then you're definitely going to be fine with any other legion so yeah but anyway no i mean no real reason to draw this out anymore i mean it's pretty much the ultramarines good for them right yep right so guys hey, i'm not as sour on them as these other two guys i actually kind of like them i almost started an ultramarine army i actually just gave my stuff away because i had it for like years and was never going to get around to it so my buddy kenneth i talked about earlier i was just like here just have these just (laughs) take these you can have it just take them so yeah i'm not salty about them i just like they're i don't know man like it's like uh when you think of like man why do girls only like bad boys i kind of feel like maybe somehow it's like man i'm like these dudes these dudes are too good (laughs) like they're too like goody good two shoes i'm not really interested like I want some. I want some Primark that's gonna wake up in the middle of the night and hit me or something. You know. You want some character flaw? <laughs> yeah, some sort of character flaw. So, uh, guys, if y'all have any questions about Ultramarines or your new player coming in, uh, feel free to send us an email: Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, Scott at Warhammer30k.com. Or you can, if you have a question you just want to ask us about this episode, you can just give us a call directly. Leave us a voicemail at two zero nine. RFI 30K0. We take voicemails and we play them live on air. You'll probably hear it next episode if you're a first-time listener. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. You can hit us up on there. We will definitely answer your questions on there. Uh, we will see you about next week getting back to our normal broadcast because I know just this week alone we're getting emails built back up. Uh, but we're trying to get the rest of the legions knocked out. We're doing them in order, guys. So... Uh, if you this was the 13th legion so i think y'all can figure out which will be the next legion um see what we should do michael let's do these legion episodes and then me and you just find fucking time to knock the fucking emails and shit out and do little bonus episodes we could do both 
Oh my gosh. Hard work. We both have two podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And a camp coming up. Oh, you haven't heard about my third one? I started a new secret one. I started a Battletech one. You didn't hear that? I believe that. I'd listen to that. I'm I'm bullshitting. I did. Uh, Well, you know, you talk about it, and now people are going to ask about it. What is it, Radio Free? people already have. I'm like, people have already like, are you going to do a Battletech podcast? I'm like, hey, bro, are you going to make, like, the day 36 hours long so that I have time to do all this shit? Because... We also have uh, emails coming through about what you should name your uh, what you should name your barn. By the way, somebody said Battle Barn. That's pretty good. It's got a nice ring to it. You like that? I, your eyes light up when you say that. It's all right. Shane sent I mean, in for the for the Black Garden. He said you should call it the Black Garden. The Black Garden because they're swearing. No <laughs> there's Black so much swearing going on in there. Yeah. Uh. uh but yeah, no, we need to talk about that. And then, of course, uh, like just just breaking things down just right now. Saw the video. I, I shot the video of the stakes in the yard. The engineer is supposed to come this week. At any, he could show up any time. He could be out there right now, even though it's dark out. I doubt <laughs> he is. But Yeah, so for those of you that are just new listeners and everything like that, if you're in the Indiana area, Ryan's getting a full-blown barn for gaming built in his yard uh, to host events and things like that. So, it's going to be pretty sweet. It's gonna For be... everyone, man, we're going to do whatever anybody wants to run. You want to have a fucking Settlers Catan event? Fine, fuck it. Call me up. You can use it. We'll write you on the schedule. Yeah, uh, one of the guys inside of my uh, my dust chat had said, I'm just looking for people in Indiana. And I'm like, oh, my buddy Ryan's actually building a barn that's going to have like 20 tables, and he just got into dust. <laughs> like, so... Uh, was it Bill? Yeah, it was Bill. <laughs> he hit me up. So <laughs> yes. He just lives in Decatur. He's not that far away. He's like half hour away. Oh, man. He's so lucky that he knows me <laughs> and I know you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, it should be done. It could be, like, it's not going to take him long once it gets rolling. So, uh, it should be done right around the time of heresy camp, give or take. Like, right before, right after, during, should be done. I priced out a bronze statue, and I... It's, it's you regret be... you regret talking shit now, don't you? I'm going to get it done. I just need to, like... Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning how to make a bronze statue. Because, like, I'm like... <laughs> life-size bronze statue. It's, like, average $65,000. <laughs> <laughs> But that'd be life size. They get a life size one. Oh, I Just know. Little... <laughs> <laughs> I've already joked. Did you see me in the chat today? Yeah, about... I said that I'm, I'm buying a velvet rope and a little pedestal to <laughs> fucking set up and a light shining on it. So every second that it doesn't actually have a bronze statue on it, people will be like, "What the fuck's that for?" Oh, it's for that bronze statue that Michael owes me. It goes right there. <laughs> I'm a, uh... you you know that picture with uh where it's like you at Adepticon 2016 and like it's you with Josh and you're like, Hey, all smiley and everything yeah. with your slick back hair. Yeah. That's the, that's the head that's going to be on that. Statue. That's what you want to do. Yeah. For sure. I, <laughs> I think it would be funny too, to put a plaque on it. This is, uh, this is a dedication to Ryan Kimmel four. And then just have like a little chalkboard where people can write whatever the fuck they want. Like whatever crude shit they want to write about me. Like, 
jacking off a cow or whatever. I don't care. Just be funny out there. Just and then I can take a photo of all the silly shit that people have put on there and put it on her Facebook like every week. Oh, it'd be beautiful. It would be beautiful. <laughs> the things that could be written there that <laughs> would get us pulled from Facebook like Alex Jones. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Whoa. My cat yelled so loud at me. All right, guys. So we will kick you guys off to some music. Actually, before we do, just a reminder, the Nova Charity Open, the Nova Charity Raffle, we do want to talk about that. Uh, the guys over running Nova have a charity raffle going on right now. Uh, definitely something to look into. They have some 30K armies up there, as well as there's a massive, massive uh, Warlord Titan in the raffle. There's a bunch of 40K armies. Uh, everything goes to a good cause. And yep. Me, Scott, Jason Turner, and Joel Moon uh, painted the Iron Warriors army sitting there. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful army. Uh, as well, I believe the Night Lord raffle, upon this being released, the Night Lord raffle will still be going on on eBay for the Tours for Tots. Uh, that yep. should still be. I'm going gonna make right. you cut a ad and put it at the front. You're gonna do something for the front, so people who open in on the episode, that's the first thing they hear. Okay, so this is the second I'm time assigning, you're about it. I'm assigning that to you. Okay, that's fair. That's good. It's worth it. It's worth it. The charity's yep. worth it. Toys for Tots. Powerful Jamie, we love you. So we'll go and cut some music, guys. That's gonna be for this episode, and y'all have a good one. Bye. Thank you.